Amen. Praise the Lord. Tonight, um, we're going to be in part 12 of the book of John. And as I was saying um, before we, you know, a short while ago, that uh, when Pastor said I'll be taking this, I said, well, are you going to send me your notes? And he actually promised that he would send me something. So, but I didn't go back to ask him. And then, but, you know, in his kindness, um, he sent me um, a few things this afternoon. Um, and thank God for his help. So tonight, um, Pastor is not here. But, you know, we say GFH better together. So we're in this together. So we're going to do it too together. So it's going to be very interactive. So we're going to learn together. So don't expect that. I know GFH is a safe place, right? So I can be safe knowing that I have support from the GFH brethren. So without wasting time, um, I got two questions here, which I want us to respond to. If somebody sees you on the street and says, who is Jesus to you? How are you going to respond? Somebody walks up to you and say, to you, who is Jesus? How are you going to respond? Anybody? Oh, I should come. Oh, go ahead, ma. Yes. Okay, I'll say he's the lover and the savior of my soul. The lover and savior the of, of your soul, soul, which is correct. All right, let's give you a high round of applause. Who else? Go ahead, ma. The mic is with you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is my deliverer. He's my deliverer. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Jesus Christ is my deliverer. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, there are two hands. So we just take, okay, let's take two more or three more and then we'll go. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll, the next questions we'll talk about. Go ahead, man. Okay, so I'll say he's my life. He's my life. He's my best friend. He's my best friend. Hallelujah. Round of applause. <laughs> All right, so if you look at Sorry. Okay, let's take that one as the last one. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll say Jesus is my everything because um, I am nothing without him. Hallelujah. Round of applause. And, and that's what I was going to get to that. If you look at what we've been doing in the book of John, where he started from, you know, when, when John saw Jesus and said, here comes, behold, the land of God. And if you read everything, I try to read ahead to the end, all in all, what he's pointing to is that Jesus is our all in all. Everything. You know, the right answer would be Jesus is what? is our all in all. He's not only a provider, a healer, but he's our savior and he's our deliverer. So I would say Jesus is our all in all. Our second question says, have you ever had an experience where you waited on God and he came true for you? As in, the situation was difficult and you felt, well, I have no other choice. But on this one, oh, I'm just going to stay put and I'm going to wait on God. Anyone? Yes, go ahead, man. Please, there's a hand there. Anybody else? We're going to take like two or three and we're going to go on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, man. It happens, um, I think, about um, <clears throat> nine years ago. I was, yeah, it's a certificate I presented in my place of work. And um, they refused this certificate totally, totally. 
and I was so sad in my heart. And I went to our admin officer, I pleaded with him, he refused. Because of this same certificate, I have to travel to Abuja. They said, he's um, left for my ministry. If they could forward it to them at Abuja, they would receive it. Ah, no hope. I told the man then, I said, what did you expect me to do? So you go back, you'll be pleading so that they'll collect the certificate from you. No hope. I have to go back to God in prayers. I believe Christ. I was praying bitterly in my heart because I was in one step for almost three years then. I was praying, Father, don't allow this certificate to go in vain. Thank God, God came through for me. Hallelujah. And at the last round, they now asked me to bring this certificate that they refused. From Abuja, a message was sent down to our ministry here in Lagos. And all other certificates that we abandoned, we, they, 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 they collected it from them. And that was how I was promoted to the level that I was expecting from Federal High Court then. Yeah, we can clap for God. Thank God that uh, things did not remain the same again. Amen. It changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And God always comes through all the time. But it depends on how much I'm willing to wait. Anybody else? We're going to go. Yes. That's um, Mrs. Akata. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, this is a testimony, actually. Like two or three years ago, I... I went for my medicals, and when the result came out, the doctor was saying that they saw cyst here, cyst there, you know, one thing or the other. I just, I remember I just prayed about it, and I trashed it. But this last, um, God will do it again service, I went for another test, and I, to the glory of God, I had a clean bill of health. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God. And that was God. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. And, and that's the truth of, of, of our situation and of our case. And as we're going to see tonight, we'll see that, in fact, that qu the question we just asked now could have been the converse would have been the case where we say, well, do you have a situation where, which we've had in the past, where you, you decided to go on your own, but Jesus, in his merciful heart, this, when, when you got stuck, helped you out. And that's what we're going to see with the disciple tonight. So let's read our text, John 6, 16 to 21. That evening, Jesus, just evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. They went down, that means they were probably uphill, as we read last week, to wait for him. But as darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back, so they were expecting him to come back, but he hadn't come, they got into the boats and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon, a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had a road... They had rode three or four miles when they suddenly saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boats. They were terrified. I mean, they were afraid. They were scared. You can put any word. But he called out to them, don't be afraid. I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. Praise the Lord. Last week, the, the ending part, well, maybe before 
towards the ending part. No, that was not our pastor ended with the fact that if you put anything in the hands of Jesus, it will multiply and all that. It's all about Jesus. But prior to that, he explained, he explained chapter 15 that, you know, after people were fed, after the apostles were fed, um, everybody wanted Jesus to be king on earth, right? They want him to be their king and all that. So when I read this 16 and, uh, to 21, so there's, there you see that it seems they, were, they, they, they went ahead of Jesus to go and wait for him you know, by the shore, by the boat, for them to travel across the lake. Now, the question is, why did they have to go ahead? You know, why, why didn't they just wait and they all come down together? And you read, by the way, this, this, this story, Jesus walking on water, is only on the three of the, uh, of the, of the Gospels. It's in Mark and Matthew. It's not in, in Luke. So when you read other versions, and then you go through research and history, theologians and historians make us to believe that these folks, these disciples, were part of, they were supporting the crowd to say Jesus should be king. You know, when Jesus was, 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 was I mean, was not interested in earthly kingship that he wanted. He's the king of kings. But it seems, they, 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 they claim that the disciples were supporting them. So Christ constrained them, meaning forced them. Other versions will say constrained, forced. Or if you go to Matthew and Mark, saying that, okay, go ahead, go and wait for me downstairs. Go and wait for me by the boat, then we go later. So that seems to be, you know, that, that is where that's, that's what happened. So if you go to my slide, please, CMM, and we read John 16 to 17 alone. I want us to read 16, 17. So that evening, disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. Now, to wait for him. That was, that was, that was the plan. But as darkness fell and Jesus had, still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Now, you know, and that's typical of us as humans, you know, waiting or which the other word, patience. It's not it's not a virtue anymore. But the question I have tonight, you know, we're reading this and I want us to be part of it and contribute is that what would you think is the thought process for the disciple that they decided to go on their own without waiting for Jesus? Anybody, I need help. What would you say is the reason that because the scripture says that they were supposed to go there and wait, and then they waited, and but because he hadn't come. And it was getting dark, where they decided that we're going to go on our own. What, we, what was their thought process? Anybody? Before I start calling my friends and families, we are all families. Anyone? I need help. What's the reason why they decided to leave? All right, sir. Please. Anybody else apart from him? I need help. Maybe they were not patient. Yeah, they were not patient. They, they, they couldn't wait anymore. All right? Yes, ma'am. Because <clears throat> it's already getting dark. Exactly. Uh-huh. So they could not wait any longer. They could not wait for Jesus yes, anymore yes. because it's dark. And Jesus was wasting their time. And they needed to go, right? But this is somebody that just multiplied five loaves of bread, right, to 5,000 people. Now I told you, please wait for me down there. You're saying, well, it's dark. I got to go. This guy hasn't come. I mean, is that fair? Is that not a fair thing? Right? Is that a fair thing to say? It's not? So, the disciples were not, Christ- they were not, they were not good enough Christians. <laughs> is that what we're saying? So, if it's us, we'll have waited. Is that correct? No? If, okay. If you know that, if it was you, you'll have waited. Please, let me see your hand up. <laughs> Alright. Not too many hands are up. And that is the way we are in real life. The, the biggest thing that we, we you know, the the, the, is, is people waiting. If you go anywhere, Pastor was talking about 
great things. Those last two teachings about you know black man, you know that we'll get to traffic light and we won't wait. Why? We don't have the patience anymore. Waiting is not a virtue anymore. And also, and realistically too, because in life you will have, we will have the issues of life because darkness can be synonymous with problems. It was getting dark, and we were like, okay, are we going to be able to go across this this um, lake when it's dark? And that's the reality of life, because when we have issues and we're waiting on God, we're waiting on God, and it's not getting resolved. Well, we're going to try and take it on ourselves. But that's not, the, that's, not the right, that's not the right thing to do. As we see, as we read along, you know, as we read along um, in this study tonight. Now, if, if, um, if the disciples had waited for Jesus, he probably would, he would come to them, right? That's correct. He would come to them and they would go together. Is that a fair thing to say? All right? But they chose on their own that you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna wait, we're gonna go by ourselves. So as human beings, times are gonna come our way that we're gonna have issues, we're gonna have problems, darkness is gonna come, it's gonna be like time is running out. But God has spoken to us that this is when we're gonna do this, and we just have to stay put. We have to wait, wait it out. Because when heaven speaks that we should wait, we have no other choice but than to wait. As human beings, we're always in, in a hurry. Patience is not a virtue anymore. Now, generally, when you wait, when you wait for something, you know, things that are precious always require time. You've got to wait. If you look at the Bible, if you read the Bible very well and you go through it, you see that several times that people of God had to wait. Abraham, that is the father of all nations today, waited to have a child. That's the father of all nations. But he waited. And if you go along like that to other women in the Bible, we've had this discussion before. Every woman that waited to have a child had a special child. The mother of Jesus, I mean, the mother of um, Elizabeth, I mean, Elizabeth, the mother of John, I was going to say, the mother of Samson, the mother of Samuel, all these women waited. So why is it an issue for Christians to wait on God? That's the question. Why is it an issue for us to wait on God? God, even when we're doing the things of God, God expects us that we wait for his own timing. God is very meticulous and he has his own timing and we have to follow it. Even when Noah was building the ark, he laid it out line by line, even with time. So waiting on God is not, is, is not, not, not something that we have to do or we have to make a choice. It's compulsory. It's mandatory. We just have to, we just have to wait on God. And we're going to see some examples where you know, people that chose to go by their own, that didn't wait on God, and you see the consequences. So, the lesson we learned from here is that we need, and we're going to see that to go along, we need to wait on God. When he tells us to wait, that things are going to happen, we need to wait on, we need to wait on him. Pastor said, um, I think it was during the, 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 the first um, teaching of the black man, that one of the greatest problems of the black man is disorderliness. And you know where there's disorderliness? Because there's no patience. And for us to be patient, we have to do what? We have to wait. We're not used to waiting anymore. And it has been like that from the days of old. Waiting is not, it's not enough. And to wait, there are, two things that, there are two things that will make you to wait. Two things. It's, it's trust for the person that's telling you to wait. If God tells us to wait, out of obedience and trust, what do we do? We wait. The other thing that will make you to wait is love. If you remember Jacob's story, he had to do twice the amount of time that he had to do. And he waited. 
And I can tell you that, that by the absolute grace of God, what I'm talking about waiting, there are several times, and, and Pastor has shared that he has had to wait on so many, waited on so many things. And I have waited on a few things in my life. I met my wife when I was 26, when I had, I mean, I had everything going to get married. I had to wait for six years. But the wait is worthwhile. By the grace of God. And I'm sure you all know that. So, waiting is part of life, especially when we're waiting on God. Let's read 1 Samuel 10, verse 5 to 8. When you arrive, so this is um, Samuel talking to um, Saul. He had just been anointed king. And he said, when you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistine is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, and a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be, you will be changed into different persons, and after these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Keep going. Then, go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to, sac- to sacrifice, sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. Is that very clear? Okay. He told him that he has to wait for seven days, but qualified it with what? That he must wait. He must, I mean, he must wait for till he gets there. Right? That's what he said. Now, let's go to 13, 5 to 14. 13, 5 to 14. So, the Philistine must have a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Mishmash, east of Beth Even. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. And because they were hard pressed by the enemy, now trouble is bearing. But God has spoken, but trouble is bearing. So he's beginning to feel the pressure, he's beginning to feel the trouble, just like the disciple felt it was getting dark. They tried to hide in cave tickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of God and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at the Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. First instruction. As Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, and Saul sacrificed the burnt offering, the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, What is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash, ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal and haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I left, I, I felt compelled to offer the burnt, the burnt offering myself before you came. 
And see what he said. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Have you kept it? The Lord will have established, have you kept it? The Lord will have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Here, obedience in waiting cost this guy the line, his lineage, the throne. So, when God says wait, there's no other choice. The only difference, and it, it might not differ, you say about the disciples that as we read along, while they didn't wait, Jesus, in his merciful kind, still helped them out. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that waiting on God is the demonstration and acknowledgement of total trust in him. And there's no other choice. We must wait when he tells us to wait. Hallelujah. We're going to read another... Um, and this is, what, this is what God says when you wait. Habakkuk 2 verse 3. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Whatever vision that, has given, that God has given to you that you're waiting on will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. Hallelujah. It will not be delayed by the grace of God. Because if God has spoken, nobody can annul. If he has stretched out his hand, nobody can pull it back. So if you have been told to wait, please do what? Wait. Praise the Lord. Our second reading. We're going to go to John 16. John 6, 18 to 19. My second slide, please. So, soon after Gail swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough, they had rowed three or four miles, when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water, verse 19, towards the boat. They were terrified. Now, these were those guys, the disciples that we're talking about. They had decided to go on their own. They were going. If you read other parts, it says that they were struggling against the wind. They were struggling with the boat. The wind was high. It seems it was going to consume them and all that. And then they saw Jesus walking on the, um, walking, walking on the water, walking on the sea towards them. Now, if you, had a, if you had a wind that was trying to carry a vessel and a boat, all of it together, and you see somebody walking on it, coming, obviously you are not going to believe that you know, it's another human being that is walking on what is trying to consume all of you in a big boat or a vessel, or, you know. And, and that's why, the, and, and I will get to that. So, and that is, and that's the reality of life. When, when there will be situation, even these guys were, they were going to go, go they were walking with, with Jesus. They were going to the same place with Jesus. Though they chose to go ahead of him by their own accord. But they were still trying to work for God. So, in reality, there will be situation that while we're working for God, GFH went through that couple of years, year, last year, and even year before, that you'll be working for God, you'll be doing the right thing for God, and the, the, the wind of life, the, 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 the issues of life, the bad people of life, they will come and try to take you out. But we thank God that we have a father that never fails, and that is always there. Jesus will always be for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I got a question. If you read a lot of the other versions, one says that he came at the fourth hour of the, of the morning, at the fourth praying hour, and that means six is first one, nine is second one, twelve is third one, the fourth one will be three a.m. 
if, I mean, if you read Mark, the, the same thing in Mark and Matthew. And even if you read, um, some of them says 3 a.m. You know, that, that's, that's what it means. So, that's, that was when he came to them. After, and they've gone three or four miles. Three or four miles is like from here to Jakonde. To Jakonde, you know, to Lekki Phase 1. It's about four miles from, from where we are. So, they've gone like that into the, into the lake or into the middle of the water. And this wind came. Now, two questions. One is in our notes, but the other one is not there, and I'm going to ask. Why were the disciples scared? Can anybody tell me? You know, I need, I need help. Somebody needs to, to, to help me. There are two questions. Why were the disciples scared? The second one that is not in our note, and I put down is, Jesus walked on water to go and meet them. He could have appeared inside their boat, and he could have even gone to the other side and wait for them. So the two questions. Why were they scared, number one? And why did Jesus walk on water? It's number two question. Anybody? I need help. Yeah, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The disciples were scared because, first of all, this is the man they left on the other side of the... Um, of the lake. Of the lake. Yes. So they are wondering... Could it be Jesus or could it be somebody else? And first of all, why is somebody walking on water? Fantastic. All right, thank you. Good one. Anybody else? A round of applause. Let's give her a round of applause. Anybody else? Anyone? I can't see any hand. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, They believed Jesus wasn't with them and they got scared because they knew if Jesus was with, was with them, things like that might not have happened. And they also thought that if they had waited, they wouldn't be faced with such trouble on the lake. And um, Jesus walking on water is to demonstrate to them that um, waiting is good and you will always have um, um, issues if you refuse to wait for him, because waiting for him is the best, but if you decide to go ahead using your own wisdom, you will definitely face some consequences, and Jesus will always come at your head. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's clap for him. Anybody else? Does anybody have anything else to say? Anything different? Yes, sir. Right here. Okay. Go ahead now. Good evening. Yes, ma'am. Well, I think that um, even though they had been around him for such a long time, they still didn't know who he was, who he was and what he was capable of That's doing. Correct. And so when they saw this person walking on water, they didn't recognize him for who he was. Fantastic. Let's clap for Pastor Lola. <laughs> they didn't know who he was. They didn't know it was him. They were, they were, they were scared because they thought, I mean, if you read the other version, they, say they thought he was a ghost. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I just want to buttress what um, that brother said. Yeah. And I want to relate it to the traffic light thing you talked about, sir. Now, um, there are two approaches to a traffic light. It's either you are waiting for the green light to show or you are wanting the red light to go. (laughs) There are two attitudes to waiting for it. So sometimes or most times you have to wait for your miracle to come and not wanting that problem to go. Because when you wait for your miracle, you can concentrate on other things and you just believe that, just exactly you know that no matter how long it takes, the green light will always come come on. on. Hallelujah. 
Normally, it should take about 70 seconds or 60 seconds for the green light to show. But even if it takes maybe technical errors or something, somebody will have to pass the vehicles to go that, okay, the green light is not working or something has happened, but definitely somebody is watching that will, you know, control the traffic. So the same way, normally after marriage, it should take like maybe nine months for the wife to concede and all of that. So if something happens, just know that somebody is watching. And instead of you praying that this problem should go, I want to have a baby or something, just believe and wait for that miracle because definitely it's going to come. Thank Hallelujah. You. Yep. Jesus will always show forth. Uh, we'll take this one at the last one. and we. Oh, is there anybody there? <laughs> no, I can see here. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll take two here and then we'll be done. Okay, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think I'll, I'll take um, the secret questions which you um, said you didn't step down. Um, reason why did Jesus not um, disappear or appear into the boat? Sorry, appear into the boat. Or mm. I think the disciples were scared of something. I mean, which was the wave and that. And Jesus, that was where Jesus was. So literally, Jesus was trying to explain something to them that if you have me, problems around you could go. This was what you were scared of. This is the same thing I'm walking through. So all you just need is me, and everything around you will be sorted out. So, If I don't take anyone anymore, my note says that Jesus walked over the problem that scares us the most. Jesus was walking over that, 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 um, that wave, saying, this is what you are scared of, but that's what I'm walking on to come and meet you. I am the king of kings. I am here. Thank you very much. Um, do you still want to go? <laughs> okay, all right. I'm sure we covered it. That is the demonstration. He just wanted to, you know, Pastor always said that God liked Ephesium. At that time, they were just knowing Jesus. And that's true. They, have, they don't really fully know him. And he wanted to prove to them that what is about to consume you is what I'm working on. And he was working like this. You know, the same thing with you and I in our life. What scares us the most, Christ walks over it. It's called walk over. And we should always remember that in our daily life. Praise the Lord. John 6, 21. John 6, 21. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Now. If you read, there are two major things that Christ demonstrated in those six chapters. That he has power over the natural. Walking on water and walking on a wave. But the second one you see here, that's not a mistake. Immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Immediately. If you read the previous one, it says they were three, four miles into it. Meaning that if they were close to the end, the Bible would have said that they were close to the end, but there it described that they were just three or four miles into the lake. That was where they were. And it came. And what happened? That's what they call divine acceleration. But two things. But before that happened, what did they do? They, what did they do? They willingly. Jesus is always there. The onus is on you and I to willingly take him into our problems. Is ever present and is ever kind. Pastor said Jesus is kind. Jesus is king and is also kind. So that's what it says. I'd like to share, you know, share something. Divine acceleration 
it's, it's a real life. I mean, it happens in real life. My first job um, was going to work for a multinational several, several years ago, long time ago. And all, all I was praying was that God, well, I know you, I mean, I just, I just finished serving. I was just about to finish serving. And the name of that company, it was the biggest oil service company in, in, in the world, even to today. So the, the test they were giving people, and I will explain to you, the test they were giving people, by the absolute grace of God, I don't really see myself as a very smart person, but I know that I has the one that has all the understanding, all the other, all the other understanding in the world. Therefore, if it's in me, I can do all things. So, and that is the spirit that I, I, I approach my stuff. I'll do my own. I, I mean, if you remember the preaching of the soil and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the condition, you do your part, God does his part, right? Pastor taught. So, I always try to do my part, but I know he will do his part. So, this test they do, this company does, is when you go there, they will, well, the people that went ahead of me, this part I'm not really sure about, but some did individual, some did in group. They give you an egg, they give you some paper tape, paper tapes, and 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 um, trowings, threads, and they tell you to go to the first floor. Egg, some papers, threads, egg. They tell you to go to the first floor and do a parachute. You have 20 minutes, construct a parachute and drop the egg to the floor. As an engineer, this company was. Great company. I mean, they recruit the elite, the best of the best, the smartest. So when it was my turn, it just happened that that day I was the only one that showed up. And generally, they give you the same test. I'm telling you that today I've worked as an engineer for 20 years. I'm not sure if I, if they give me those things, I can I can do it. And I'm not sure there are so many people around that can do it. So when I got there, they sat me down and we started talking. And you know, they interviewed me and all that. And they said, well, that's it. That, um, but the only condition is that they were going to give me a contract job. job that I'm going to start as a contract first. And I told them that day and there that I wasn't going to do any contract. That I was, if, I, if they're not going to give me a job, I'm going to leave. That I don't want any contract. Ladies and gentlemen, by the absolute grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, they offered me a job without doing that test. And I was the first person in the history of this country. It's not that somebody... So, it, so divine acceleration exists. Jesus, I just felt God went ahead of me. Because I'm telling you today, if you give me those, tre- give me a thread and piece of paper and all that, and tell me to go to the first floor and drop an egg, I can't construct a parachute with it and drop an egg. I, can't st- I don't think I can still do it today. So I wouldn't have passed the exam for sure. But God, in his own infinite mercy, although I prepared, I didn't know about the test, I didn't prepare for the test, I read, I, I understand how things work, engineering, but I, I mean, God knew I couldn't pass. So divine acceleration is real. It's not, it's, not, it's not a joke. So these folks that you saw, the Bible says immediately. And previously it said there were three or four miles into it. That means it was more than that. So if they were, if they were, if they were at the end, the Bible would have said, oh, they were almost at the end. Three, four miles into it, Jesus arrived and they got there what? Immediately. It was, it's not a coincidence. So divine acceleration Israel. Praise the Lord. So the acceptance of Jesus into our boats of life leads to divine, divine acceleration. That, that's, that's the acceptance of Jesus into our boat of, of life leads to divine acceleration. The question is, 
the question is not it's the, question, the question is not if we're going to accept Christ into our life. The question is we're always I mean we we'll always have storm of life come into the boat of our life. It's now left for us to bring Jesus in or to do it by ourselves. There will always be storm in the boat of our life. It's a given. So, but the choice that we have is take Christ into the boat or we go, we go alone or we do it ourselves. Praise the Lord. Now, John 6, 20. John 6, 20. Okay, we can go from here. They had rode uh, three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat and they were terrified. 20. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. And I told you that pastor sent me notes and, you know, that, that this, this, which was very helpful. It's on this um, part we're talking about. If you... If you look at that statement, I am, everybody, they, they, everybody uses it, you know. We, we talk about I am this, I am that. that. In our notes, we can see it. There are like four ways we can, we talk about, you can do it in a presentation way. You can say that I am, you know, I am um, I'm David. I'm, I'm Jire, I'm this, I'm that. And that's, that's, you're presenting yourself. You can qualify it. If Pastor Kule is church, Pastor Kule can say I'm a farmer. You know, Pastor Kule owns a farm and says I'm a farmer. You know, you can qualify that. And we all can say, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of Christ. That's another identification. And recognition, you can say, oh, I'm the one that they were talking about. Oh, you are, I'm the one that they were talking about. But all those are extremely irrelevant. Now, if you go into, into, into if you do a study on this, I am, you will realize that there's a Greek word called ego imine. That's what it means. And, and, Paul, and John uses it a lot in this, um, in, in, in this chapter. In fact, if you go to verse 35, 41, and 48, where he was talking about, I am bread of life. He used, I think John used it about 24 times, but 17 of those, he qualified it. I am this, I am that, and bread of life was four times. I am that, that's qualification. But the one that we're talking about here tonight is the one of my favorite song. Is the one that when Moses asked and said, who should I tell them? It's going to lead me out. He said, tell them I am who I am. The, I am the, who I am. is the only God. is the only one. That's what Christ is saying. When Jesus appeared and told those guys, I am here. The I am that I am is here. And nothing. Everything terrifies. Every knee bows. That's the I am that he's talking about. And that is where we are tonight. The I am that I am. That's the one that he's talking about. The only one that can walk upon the sea. The only one that can tread upon the sea. That is the I am that he, he referred to when he said I am here. Everything bows down. I've come. You know, what's going to happen? When he comes into any situation, everything ceases. Everything goes away. Because the power under the heaven and earth belongs to no one but Jesus. Is the I am that I am. And that's the one that showed up and told the disciple, say, I am that I am. Everything about our life, everything that we do, in all that we, we, we ever have or we ever own, that we ever serve, the only thing that should matter 
is the I am that we look up to, which is Jesus. It is him. In anything that we do, if we, if we debate for any other benefit, but not for the, 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 um, for the celebration and glorification of Jesus, then it's not worthwhile. Because the I am that I am is the one that was, that is, that shall ever be. We're going to read a few Bible passages and you realize that when Christ said I am, he said he, he, said he and his father that they are one. God described himself as I am. And so also Jesus was saying I am. That is what he was referring to. Walking on the sea, I'll tell you where that was what Job described, you know, that who treads on the surface of the sea. Let's go to Job 9, 8. It is said of God, he alone stretches out the heavens. When you stretch something out, you draw it out. And treads on the waves of the sea. Jesus Christ was, tre- was treading on the waves of the sea. He was walking on it. That is, I am that I am. That is the definition that I am, that we are serving. 107, Psalm 23 to 31. We read, we, we read the Psalm a lot. Some went off to the sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They, they too observed the Lord's power in action. His impressive works on the deepest sea. He spoke and the wind rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress and he calmed the storm to a whisper and still the waves. Do you know what it means to whisper? That means he calmed the storm down. You know, when we read the Bible, let's, let's, he calmed the storm that was raging, that was going to consume them to a whisper and still the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for his wonderful. Every brewing storm in our lives tonight will be calmed by the power of Jesus in the name of Jesus. It's the I am that I am. Tonight we're here. And while we're in this, while we're still talking, we're talking about this, I think we need to do this quickly. You might be here tonight and you haven't heard this before or you have not had the opportunity to know that the I am that I am is the only one that can save, that can do anything. You can own the whole world, but the time is going to come when you're going to be accountable to this same person. So may we please bow our head and close our eyes. If you're here tonight, and you want to reconcile with our Lord Jesus Christ, or you want to give your life to Christ, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, that you want to know this I am that I am, please show by raising up your hand. Just show by your hand. And we'll pray together. I'm here tonight. I want to reconcile with Christ. I want to give my life to Christ. I haven't met him before, but I've, oh, I've, I've been there and I drill but I'm coming back. I want to know this I am that I am. Please, can we show by hand? Father, we thank you because all that are here are saved and they will not drill in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Remind us. In our notes, I put something there. I said remind us. Let's put in our mind, Jesus is merciful. Despite that the, 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 apostle, the disciples left him and they went away, 
he came in his infinite mercy to save them. Christ is always very merciful. Jesus is all-knowing. Because if you read that story very well, if you, read, if you expatiate and read the other ones, he was somewhere praying, he was on the mountain, he was praying, but he could see that his children are in trouble. Jesus is all-knowing. When we get into trouble and we call him, he, he will even see us before them, but he will show up. And the third one I said that Jesus is always available. He's the only one that came as a living being on earth that can be everywhere at all times. He's here in our midst. He's in the place where pastor is. He's in the place where all the members of our church that are not here are. So he's always in our midst. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Take